Talk, talk to me. WSRadio.com Welcome to Computer and Technology Radio with your hosts, Mark Cohen and Marsha Collier. Well, hello and welcome. As that nice lady said, we are Computer and Technology Radio. I am Mark Cohen. She is Marsha Collier. Today's show, we're going to talk a lot of interesting things. Big gaming show canceled. Uh, some of the things on Google Maps are not what they're purported to be. And hey, Uber Eats has got a bunch of listings they probably shouldn't have had. How are you? Oh, I'm I'm just always so deep in this AI baloney, so yep. I'm glad we're going to be talking about that this week. And thank goodness, some good TV is coming back. And, uh, you know, we can talk about, we always talk about that at the end of the show. Yep. So, yep. tell All right, me, well, what do you got? Well, the uh, E3, for those of you who don't know, many people know what this is, even though they were not allowed to attend for a long time. It's the Electronic Entertainment Expo. And for many, many years, it was the premier event for gamers, for gaming companies. I started going to E3 in Atlanta probably 20 years ago. I used to fly there for the event. And it was this massive, great event that has been taking place in the downtown convention center for uh, many years. And it's just a, a, an extravaganza of all the major gaming companies with booths set up. Microsoft and Nintendo and Sony all had these gigantic booths, uh, you know, people dressed up in costumes. That so it's kind of like a combo of CES and Comic-Con? Exactly. Okay. It, yeah, exactly. And it, and it was a fun event. And you have the opportunity to see the new games that were going to come out before they were released to the public. And for many years, it was just an industry-only event. So either if you were in the media or you were a you know, seller of product, you got to go to this event. But no one else got to go. And then a few years ago, uh, prior to the pandemic, they came up with the idea that they would sell tickets to the public so that the public could be involved in this fun event. I and mean, sure after all, they are the people who are going to be buying the games, right? Well, right so exactly. I think it's a great, it's not like CES where everything is vaporware, right? No, I mean, correct. these games were going to happen. Oh yeah, these are real games that, that are definitely going to happen, and they had tour, bo- you know, bo- uh, tours of the booths, and and it was it was really a lot of fun. I always look forward to it. Then the pandemic hit, of course, and they stopped doing the public event. So this year was supposed to be the first public event since the pandemic, and unfortunately, they've made the decision to cancel the show, and they canceled it because a lot of the big companies have opted out: um, Ubisoft, Sony, Microsoft, Nintendo. All said they would not be entered, you know, going to the show this year. And well, that kind that of wipes out all the games. I mean, it pretty much it? wipes out everybody. Yeah, I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it just really. I mean, there's a lot of big and interestingly enough, a lot of big games coming out this year. Uh, there's a new Legend of Zelda, Diablo Four, which is a big game, has been for oh gosh, probably twenty twenty five years. Final Fantasy sixteen. So a lot of those games have come out. And, you know, that's just the event is gone. And like I said, because it was an industry event, it wasn't so much for the public. Um, I think they got to go one, maybe two years until it kind of shut down. And it's sad to see it go. But the reality is the last couple of events I actually didn't even end up going to. Just kind of got tired, you know. Well, you know, the thing is they've had a competing event called Summer Games. Summer Games Fest. I don't know where it where it's held, but it's a competing event that's going to be showcasing upcoming games. Is still set for June eighth. 
Yeah, that's one I'm not familiar with. And that's so, a gaming show you're saying? Yeah. No, yeah, I have no clue what that is. Well. Um, but, it's, I mean, it's nice and it's fun. You know, part of the problem for the big companies was that it was costing them millions, just like CES. It was costing them millions of dollars to put up booths and to have all their publicity people. You know, Sony would have 30 publicists at the event. And then they would have all the equipment and then they had all the machines. So it was an extremely expensive event. And I guess these companies said, really? Why, why do we need this? You know what? We're going to get out there. We're going to advertise our products. Everybody's going to buy them anyway. So that's sad, but that's E3. So if you were you know, planning to go to E3 this year, sorry, not going to happen. It well, was a summer digital game, only event. Summer Game Fest, you know, let's look forward to that June 8th and follow it and see what's going to happen. Yeah, I have to look at that. Summer Game Fest, that's what it's called? Yes. Yeah, I have to look that up myself. I don't know what that is. Um, so oh. anyway, that was you know that was that story, and uh, kind of sad to see it go because I spent a lot of years going to it. But otherwise, oh well. Something well, else I think will games have so many different outlets now, and so with the influencers and everything. Um, it, yeah, I, I got to tell you, AI is kind of chafing me a lot. I, I'm I'm not real happy with the direction that it's going. Just this morning, uh, Google sent me a notification that I was mentioned in a story, and I look at the story, and I didn't do an interview with these people. I knew that. And I look at the story, and it was just clearly written by AI. And it used my name and a bunch of other people's names that I know, which I thought was somewhat upsetting. But it was clear that the writer got it from AI, and there's nothing I can do. Right. Now, they could misquote. They could write all other things. The dangers right now are of AI are ethical. For example, a picture of the Pope showed up. I don't know if you saw it. Yeah, I saw Pope that. Francis in a puffer jacket. I mean, yeah, maybe people th- loved it and thought it was cool because he did look kind of cool in the big white puffer jacket. But, mm, you know, no. It wasn't real, and it was an AI generated, no doubt, by Dolly, which you can access through the Microsoft AI platform. And this is the Pope. I mean, you're going to start putting, you know, <laughs> different clothes on the Pope. Uh, that's just this. This is bad. That's silly. So Steve Wozniak, Elon Musk, and a lot of other people have gotten together and written an open letter asking for a six-month pause in developing systems that are more powerful than AI's newly released chat GPT-4. Now, I think the cat's out of the bag already. Um, you know, they, they say powerful AI systems should be developed only once we are confident that their effects will be positive and their risks will be manageable. I just named two, although they're not (laughs) life-ending or destroying things that came about through AI. But people can begin to do things, and it's, it's just not healthy. And people are saying it's hypocritical for Musk to um, have signed this because they're, you know, putting AI in Teslas. Right. So there's that. But we shouldn't forget 
that OpenAI was originally developed in 2015 as an ethical group. An ethical group of people, and as a matter of fact, the founder of OpenAI, Sam Altman, even signed the letter. Um, So the thing is that originally it was supposed to be about ethics. Then in 2018, when Elon left, it had turned into being about profits. Mm -hmm. Now Sundar Pinchai, Satya Nadella... Now, who were CEOs of Microsoft and uh, Alphabet, they did not sign the letter. They are planning to make big money on this. Oh, huge. And we have to be careful. I mean, this is like, remember people say spreading rumors about people. Oops, sorry. I was looking at the gaming event, and it played music. Go ahead. And... Wow, I, I'm not going to cut that out. I'm going to let everybody hear that. <laughs> there you go. It was a uh, gaming ad. Um, trying yeah. to find out what this other game so show is. This letter, originally it had over 1,000 people signing. Um, these are profound repercussions. I don't know how much the letter is going to do mm-hmm. to anything. Uh, they've collected over 50,000 signatures. And the page has slowed down due to high demand. Um, the the page says, we hope uh, signatories will be patient as our vetting process tries to catch up. The high-profile signatures near the top of the list are all independently and directly verified. And it's Andrew Yang. It's a lot of, of people, yeah, a lot people. of important people, 50,000 people. If you want to, uh, if you believe that AI should be managed and planned for, commensurate with care and resources. And there needs to be a little more regulation in this. Uh, and, and our next story is going to tell you why. You go to futureoflife.org slash open dash letter slash pause dash giant dash AI experiments slash. And you can add your signature to it. Okay. And it basically says we call on all AI labs to immediately pause for at least six months the training of AI systems more powerful than GPT-4. And let's assume that's not going to happen. They're going to yep. continue doing it. You know, like lobbies of most things, like the oil companies and Congress and whatever. There's a lot of big money behind this, and I doubt it's going to pause anything. But never know. And you came up with a story, and and you jump on it as to, I just want to give you my opinion on it. And yeah, that was I mean, I thought this chat, was kind of interesting. Chat GPT uh, can answer questions on PCs running MS DOS. Yeah, I mean, this that's, is dangerous. This well, is seriously dangerous. I mean, the um, first of all, I'm surprised, needless to say, that you could run this on uh, MS DOS. I mean, MS DOS was one of the first operating systems. Came out what 25 years ago. Maybe longer. I can't even quite remember how long. Nineteen eighty-four. Uh, Nineteen eighty-four. Okay, so uh, almost thirty years ago. Um, Whoa, nineteen eighty-four. That makes it really prescient. The book. Yeah. Oh yeah, my god. True. Yeah. yeah exactly. go, keep going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so um, so you can now answer questions on MS DOS, and in, in in relation to the story, while I was getting ready for the show, Bing, which I have on my phone, started to pop up. Do you want to ask me any questions? Would you like me to do anything for you? No. Hell no. I didn't sign up for that. 
Yeah. It just showed up on my phone. And, of course, I went in and turned off uh, notifications, which I assume will kill that. But I was kind of surprised to see Bing talking to me when I didn't ask it to. So, um, chat GPT, you can access uh, by a few mouse clicks in a web browser uh, and get chatbot answering questions on IBM PCs running MS-DOS. I don't know how many of those are still floating around. I mean, well, you know, I would ago. assume those who know how to do it, uh, M- they used MS-DOS 6.22. Right. But I would assume if you know how to run MS-DOS, we can all get to it in our own computers by using command line. Right, exactly, um, which, which nobody's used in 20-plus years. Exactly, except it's used in the background as the core right. in Windows. Why this upsets me so much is that someone was playing around with a chat GPT. And they uh, he asked it to write a program for him. It mm-hmm. did it. And then it asked, the, the chat asked the user, would could I write a program that you install on your computer so I can have more strength for you? Ooh. Basically. Uh-oh. Those aren't the exact words, so don't quote me. Right, right, right. But the prompt came from the AI window. Mm-hmm. And then a script appeared. Um, the AI clearly knew this person knew how to do it. The guy examined the code, and absolutely, it would have allowed the power of their computer to become part of ChatGPT. Hell, hell, what what the heck is going on? I mean, you let this AI in the hands of people who don't know what they're doing. I mean, if that would have been somebody who really was not ethically involved, let's say, yeah, that could have been really bad. If it was on a network, if uh, it could spread throughout the internet, who knows? So, yeah, yeah, I, I really think there needs to be a pause here. I mean, that's interesting. The, uh, it reminds me when you're talking about the uh, computer program asking if you could, you know, give some more access. I mean, does that remind you a little bit of back in the 80s, there was a film called War Games with Matthew Broderick, Broderick who the movies, the computers took over nuclear weapons and were fighting computer to computer. I mean, yeah. that's a little frightening. Yeah, I mean, but if you think of it, so many things are run by computers, and people tend to live their, leave their computers on all the time. So if somebody who isn't savvy of all of this installs something, leaves their computer on all the time, because mm-hmm. I know a lot of young people think you close the top of your computer and it's off. Right. <laughs> you know, it's just, that is not the case. So... I think all of this needs to be rethought. I think, you know, we have a United Nations. We have government. We have the IEEE, the International Electronics, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. We have the DOCSIS uh, standard for modems. There needs to be an organization that works for this. There will still be people who will run outside of, air quotes, the law. But at least it'll calm it down a bit. I think it's truly, truly gotten out of control. Yeah, very interesting. 
Uh, all right, so we've been talking for uh, a couple of months now about this, the, you know, since Elon took over Twitter and the blue check marks. And for those of you who are not big Twitter users, the check mark was set up to verify individuals to so you knew this was actually the real person. You know, Bill Gates had a check mark because that was the real Bill Gates. Well, now there's been so many changes since Elon took the company over and so many different things. So now they're saying Twitter Blue subscribers might soon be able to hide their check marks. What's your well, as on? of today, supposedly, all the legacy blue uh, check marks. Mm-hmm. I'm going to check William Shatner right now because he was the one who outwardly tweeted to Elon, Now i got to pay $8 a month. <laughs> You know, which seemed like the most in, entitled thing on the planet, because he's got plenty of money to protect his name. No question about it. <laughs> I mean, there's still a blue check mark on his name. I wonder if he paid for it. Uh, that's interesting. Um, but to start looking at some of these, because supposedly April 1st, unless that was in Elon Musk April Fool's joke, who knows? But I maintain my blue check mark because, like I said earlier, somebody's using my name in AI. <laughs> I, I want to be sure that my name is my name. And I, I want to be sure that I am verified. What do you think? Okay. So I wonder, Mark, what do you think? Okay, we can't hear Mark right yeah, now. Yeah, no, I'm here. I'm sorry. So, I, I mean, I think that the there are cer- certainly some good things about the verification. Uh, I think it's important that people are communicating with who they think they're communicating with. And if it's Bill Gates or it's whoever it is or the President of the United States, they should know that's the actual account. So I think there's some verification that should probably be done. I think that Paying for it is ridiculous. I think it diminishes, as we've talked about, the value of having it. Well, but there are some perks that do go along with it as a user of Twitter. Right. You do get to see stories that are trending within your community of the people you follow, which you can't normally see. Right. Um, Let me see. It it has in the algorithm of Twitter, Mm -hmm. um, your tweets may be placed forward, but I certainly don't see that on mine, uh, because we can see the counts of views next to everybody's everybody's different things. And it, there's a creator studio with analytics. There's You can set your preferences. You get to uh, delete a tweet within a certain amount of time. You can edit a tweet within a half hour. There are some benefits. And also, if you're a member of the Twitter community, maybe it's important. I don't know. It's important to me. Yeah, I, you know, yeah, it was interesting. I was just looking to see how many actual Twitter users there are, and I think this is globally, uh, 450 million active users as of 2022. Um, and that's gone from 396 million in 2010. So there are definitely a lot of people that use Twitter. Uh, I don't know how many people are on the planet. I'd have to look that up. But I, you know, it, it. I guess it just depends upon your personal views of using Twitter. I mean, you use it a lot. I don't. 
but um, I think verification is probably a good thing. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Hopefully this is going to work itself out. But Twitter does need revenue. I mean, oh, it's a business to. just like any other business. It has to have revenue. Yeah. And I There's- believe they're charging um, $1,000 for media a month. Yeah, that's a lot of, well, it's not a lot of money if you're Microsoft, but it's a lot of money, you know, well, so 12 for, grand a year. Well, for media, if you're the New York Times and you want to promote your stories, and it, it, it's a cost of business. It's like advertising. Yeah, You know, exactly. it, it's like promotion. I wouldn't I just, be thrilled, you know, if I had to pay that kind of money. I, I couldn't, but I'm not a business. Right. Well, no, you would have no reason to have to do that. Um, I just looked, there's 7.8 billion people in the world as of 2021, so that represents, what, about uh, 5% of the uh, people in the world use Twitter. So it's not yeah, a but, huge number. But 30, 30% of them don't have running water either, so I don't think right. that's a real value. Yeah, well, that's true. That's true. <laughs> just, so even if you cut, say you even cut that in half and there's, you know, 4 billion people, so then 10 or 11% of the people in the world are using Twitter. So I wonder how many people really care about this. Well, you know, a fake tweet cost uh, Eli Lilly, a big company, right? Yeah. Cost them in stock drop $15 billion. Yeah, that's crazy. And and trolls just changed their name to Pfizer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, that's insane. And tweeted out some drug information. I don't know. I, I don't know what's going to happen. Hopefully this is Elon's weird April Fool's Day joke. Yeah, but he hasn't I, you know, tweeted that story, quite yet. I saw a story that said that the value of Twitter before he had it was about half of what the value is now. So he's right now a smart guy, and I suspect he'll figure this out. But uh, he's lost a lot of money by buying Twitter. I never understood why he bought it anyway. I mean, other than for him trying to make the world a better place by getting Twitter to work better. But uh, he's losing a lot of money there. So that's going to be yeah, very interesting. He, but you know, he's got a lot of money. He does have a lot of he's money. He's got FU money. And the thing is, unlike Jeff Bezos uh, and even Bill Gates, he's investing it in new technologies that may work, may not work. He's, you know, I'm sure had his share of stinkers. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But at least he keeps working on them. You know, Richard Branson's kind of given up on his space program. Oh, he did? I didn't know that. Yeah. Virgin yeah. Space? Wow. Yeah. But oh. Elon keeps fighting, and okay. i got to hand it to him. Good for him. He's a, he's a smart guy. Um, okay, so Google on Friday apparently has taken steps to take down fake info from its uh, Google Maps program. You know, a lot of us use Google Maps. I use it. I, Marsha, I assume you use it from time to time. I use uh, it almost but, every day, but yeah. yeah. Uh, but apparently it's uh, a lot of the stuff is inaccurate. So with the help of machine learning, uh, Now, Google when you say a lot of stuff m- is inaccurate, what is inaccurate? Well, what's inaccurate, according to this, is they have blurry or low quality or violating what they call their content policy, which is uh, trying to stop 20 million attempts to create uh, fake business profiles. So, for example, what they're doing is they're taking a picture, they're putting a photo of Joe's Bar and Grill on it, with a phone number, but that's not Joe's Bar and Grill phone number. 
that's somebody else's phone number, and they're trying to direct people through Google Maps to go to something other than the actual legitimate business. So they start overlaying inaccurate phone numbers on top of the uh, contributed uh, photos, and they're trying to trick people into going to the wrong business. Well, have you ever looked in your neighborhood and seen like some weird-ass business? Like, yeah, there's no a name business pops there. Up. Yes. You know, that, that's, that's somebody's house. I know where that is. Right, correct. They I was are wondering not if it selling they cactuses were... out of there. <laughs> well, yeah, I wonder if it's legitimate and, they, and somebody's working, doing business out of their house, or as this purports to be, not the real thing. Exactly. And, and I think, but you see, here's another opportunity where AI can really muck it up. Mm-hmm. So they have to be very careful now about uh, what. What goes on the map? You know, maybe yeah. it can't be voluntarily edited by people. Although no, right. user-generated content is where we're all going today. But there are too many people who are scammers. Yeah. There's too much. And we talked a couple of weeks ago about how to uh, blur your um, your photo of your home, your business, whatever it is, off of Google Maps. And uh, you might want to check into that. Just Google yeah, and then all people my... have to do is go to Zillow. And yeah. see a picture well, right. of your house or Redfin or the 10, 20 other sites that if people have bad intentions, they know where those sites are. Oh, sure. So. Yeah. Very interesting. All right. It is now the time of the show. We research the planet, the universe and buy dot com for our buy of the week. Thank you, Marcia. Uh, this is a, a fairly new computer. It's an LG Gram, model number 14Z90Q. It's a 14-inch, lightweight laptop, Intel i7. Uh, it is 16 gigabytes of RAM, 512 gigabyte, gigabytes of SSD. Uh, it's black. And I, I have not used, and Marsha, I don't know if you have. You, have you ever had a um, LG computer? Mm, oh, I think one of my first computers might have been an LG. Yeah, I mean, my TV's an LG, but I've never used their computers. But they're, you know, they're a very fine company. And, um, it, you know, it comes with all the bells and whistles. And this thing normally sells for $1,499. But if you go to buydig.com, you can get this computer for, let's see, $800 off the price. So now it's $699. And that's a pretty good deal on this computer. You know, laptops, uh, particularly uh, laptop computers that are relatively high speed. An i7, Intel i7 is a very fast computer. And it's a 14-inch, which is kind of nice. So uh, if you are looking for a really good price on a uh, LG computer, again, it's the LG Gram, uh, model number 14Z90Q. Again, it's a 14-inch lightweight laptop. Intel i7 processor, um, 16 gigabytes of RAM, 512 gigabytes of memory, and that is available again. You have to put in a code. The code is GRAM, G-R-A-M. When you put the GRAM code in, it will reduce the price from $1,500 down to $699. So uh, that's quite a buy. And that that's is a good our deal. buy of the week. That's a good deal. Very yep. good deal. Exactly. Um, and you, what kind of computer do you use now as your go-to computer? Oh, I have so many. I'm we're on an HP all-in-one right now. I have a Lenovo. I have a Dell, and I have a Huawei laptop. Yeah, and yeah. I am desperately looking for a new tablet. And I've been seeing 
that Samsung is basically paying you to to take the, it. their tablets, the ones that are competitive with the Apple iPad. They're having four hundred and five hundred dollar discounts on them. It's insane. So, but I'm kind of holding out. I want, I want, I want to hold out for the new Pixel tablet. I really do, but I don't know if I can because my tablet is fading. Oh, I use when my is tablet. When's the Pixel uh, supposed to come out? Mm. <laughs> okay, <laughs> there you go. Anytime now. Yeah, it looks great. All the stuff looks and. Let's face it, if they just use some of the things that they use in the Pixel phone, which is truly one of the top flagships in smartphones, mm-hmm. then the tablet's got to be good. And I've, I've yeah, seen I the would specs. Think so. it's, I would think so. I I've want still it. got my iPad, which I use every day. Um, yeah, I use well, an people, Acer and, and pe- people, you know, the thing is, people use iPads for consuming information off the Internet. Right. When you want to do work... And oh, yeah, actually do yeah. work, you need a yeah. laptop. Yeah, and that's what I do. I the Acer and I use a Dell. So uh, good good stuff, but you're right. I mean, most people use the iPad for entertainment or for your email or for It's you for know, consuming. Googling. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good deal. Okay, uh, I okay, want to ask you, Amazon do, you have, do you have an Echo Show, Echo Dot, Smart Speakers, I do. Alexa, a whole bunch of them? Uh, I've got, yeah, I do. Got a ring doorbell? I do. You do. Okay. Have you looked at your settings lately? <laughs> well, I turned off Sidewalk when this first came on. Okay. So let's talk to everybody. Let me explain what Sidewalk is. It's a shared network designed for long-ranged community. In other words, where people in your area can kind of share your signal. It works over three existing wireless radio technologies, Bluetooth Low Energy for short distances, LoRa, L-O-R-A for long range, and frequency shift keying using 900 megahertz, Mm -hmm. which is a very high frequency. So these frequencies can bridge the internet using any nearby sidewalk gateway. Right. Which would be any Amazon device you use. The floodlight mm-hmm. cameras, the wired spring, uh, a ring spotlight, whatever. I am glad I don't want to use this. And luckily, our ring doorbell is the original with a battery. So <laughs> I am yeah. thrilled. Now, it takes only a small amount of bandwidth from the Internet devices. Uh, but it is your Internet connection. That you are sharing with your neighbors. Right. And really the sales pitch is great. That, you know, it's kind of genius that if your neighbor's internet goes out, and like you and I have always talked about, they can't get into their house without the smart lock. Right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, The sidewalk app will help them and have a signal where they can use it. Same thing with motion alerts and all that stuff. Right. There is value to it, but you have to wonder, do you want to share your signal? Yeah, no, I don't want to do that. I mean, not, not, not because I'm, you know, don't want my neighbors using my signal, but I just don't want my neighbors using my signal. I, you know, I don't want any way of anything hacking into what I have. And, I, and like I'm we not said, doing that. There's, I mean, there's even a battery-powered natural gas alarm. I mean, right. We've seen the movies, and, and they actually talked about it. 
you know, what happens? It's happened in the movies. It can happen at home where someone turns your thermostat up to 120 degrees. Right. Um, It's not funny, but you know there's people out there who think this stuff is funny. Oh, no. no. So it's I mean, yes, there are, definitely. I have contacted Amazon, and we are negotiating as to whether they will send me the developer's kit, mm-hmm. which has a dongle where I could walk around my neighborhood okay. or drive around your neighborhood and see what the signal from sidewalk is like. Interesting. It has a little screen on it, tells you where it's strong, tells you where it's... And I think that would be very valuable information for everybody to have. Right. Um, but again, it's a choice. Do you want to share or not? The way you cannot share it or double check if you are sharing it by default is by going into your, uh, I guess, Alexa mm-hmm. and check the settings and take a look. It, because you've got one app for all of this, go into the settings and privacy and it'll probably list sidewalk as an option and you can make your choice there. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, th- this is a good story. I like this. It, they have to make it better. But apparently there are labels. I've never noticed one before on Amazon. You know, there's a lot of talk about when you read a review on Amazon, is it really a real review? Or was it written by the cousin of the president of the company? And that's why we always like to look at larger reviews. So if you see an item on Amazon that has a review, you want it to have thousands of reviews, not 300. Well, there's apparently something called a frequently returned label to let people know about shot, what they call shoddy products. And it comes up, and it's on very small print, uh, and it comes up under a little mark under the event that says frequently returned item, check the product details and customer reviews to learn more. So basically what they're saying is this may be just a bad product. It may be some kind of sham. It may be you just don't know what it is. But, uh, but I think it's a really good idea. It. Now, in the two examples in the Verge story that they gave, I don't see it. I've looked on the pages. Um, I think this is something that Amazon is testing out. But I have a feeling that uh, <laughs> uh, people are going to really blow back on this. I think it's a great idea. I want to see it. But yeah. if I was a seller... Uh, I don't. I don't think I'd be that happy about it. How oh about no! You? Well, especially if you're selling a crappy product, which often and, happens on Amazon. Well, but the I thing mean, is, if you're getting a lot, a lot of returns, you're not happy either. No, you're certainly. Well, you're certainly not. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's a business. I mean, so, I try to buy when I buy something on Amazon. For the most part, I try to buy a name brand product. You know, whoever it's made by, not some company I've never heard of before. Because that's usually where you have those products. But when Amazon was asked why they didn't simply remove the products with a high return rate, uh, they didn't really comment about it. Well, because they make money. Uh, yay. <laughs> exactly. Duh. Duh. Yeah, ex- so exactly. I don't know if they're going to be doing this. Um, we'll see uh, if this goes on. And uh, quickly, let's get into Uber Eats because there's some great streaming news I want to talk about. Uh, yeah, it's very interesting. Uh, apparently, Uber Eats storefronts, a number of these will appear disappear from Uber Eats. And I don't know that I knew this, but apparently um, a YouTuber, Eddie Burback, 
uh, found, wrote a video called The Deceptive World of Ghost Kitchens. He discovered 44 restaurants on Uber Eats, all sharing the same address with nine identical fish sandwiches ordered from different virtual brands. And they're saying this is a scam. You know, they're, they're, now ghost kitchens are these things where there's no real restaurant there. They make exactly. The it's a restaurant that's commonly shared by several businesses where on this side they, they have the recipes for, let's say, chilies. Here they have the recipes for um, McDonald's. They have the recipes for everybody, and the food is made to the quality of the restaurant. Right, exactly. Yeah, they're removing 5,000 storefronts. Uh, I think it's next week. And, well, that's uh, good because I was looking up some new restaurants this past week. And I, by the way, I always click to call the restaurant to place a pickup order. Right. If you're I don't want up, yeah. them to. Have, yeah, I don't want them to have to pay a commission to Uber Eats. Right. Of course. Uh, but they've made it so hard that when I went to this one restaurant, there was Uber Eats. There were all these different companies that actually have been bought out by Uber Eats, but they right. still have their own listings there. And it was like. 12 different options until you could get click to call the restaurant but i right. had already dialed the restaurant from the phone number um yeah this is kind of mucked up and it's weird and i don't want people spitting my food and I, I'm, just, <laughs> yeah. I'm not i'm just not a fan uh, yeah. i don't have food delivered to my house if i can't get off my butt to do it then <laughs> i mean i do i use uber, uber eats for delivery when I'm just too lazy to do it. And, you know, most of the packages that you get from delivery are sealed. Um, but it is definitely true. There is one thing to pay attention to when you're using any of these apps. What? A lot of the stores jack up their prices by about 15 <laughs> or 20%. So if you want to know how much more you're paying for one of these delivery services, go to the actual menu of the restaurant. We always do that. Always yeah. go to the actual menu, not the one you're going to see on Google. Go to the one on their website. On their website, right. And that will tell you their actual prices. And then you can go back to the app and say, wait a minute, this says $15. Why is it 20 on Uber Eats? Right. You know, and I found a couple of companies that are exactly the same real price. Uh, so it's a good thing and who knows. But the, right, should why, some... why should we have to mess with this? This is insane. Yeah, there's you know, a lot think of stuff. about it. It's ridiculous. Yeah, a lot of stuff. But um, okay, lots of we... good stuff streaming. Yeah, go ahead. What do you got on TV? I have to tell you, I've discovered a new show. I bet you nobody's watching it. You gotta, 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 gotta watch it. I believe it's on Showtime. It's called Lucky Hank. Oh, I just started it. And it stars Bob Odenkirk. Yep, who I and actually I thoroughly love enjoy. It. I love it. It's excellent. Is it on Showtime? Or it AMC? Is, it's, see, on no, it's on AMC. AMC, it's, right. It's on AMC. Which is where all the uh, Vince Gillian, the, you know, Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. I have to say I've watched the first couple of episodes and it didn't exactly get me. I enjoyed it, didn't love it. But th that's the way that Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul, they started out very slowly. So I'm going to give it some time. But you liked it right from the start? I love, well, he plays a tenured English professor. And he's navigating the little fiefdoms and giant egos of academia. Right. Which I remember. I was an English major. I remember all of this that he's going through. 
and the idiots in the classes and mm-hmm. the whole so I could totally identify with it. Right. And he's uh, going through a midlife crisis, because that's what Bob Odenkirk seems to specialize right. in. Right. And his life begins to unravel. And yeah, he's, he's a terrific actor. You know, it, it looks like they have a good plot ahead of them. And the series is adapted from a Pulitzer Prize winning author, Richard Russo's novel called Straight Man, which was inspired by his own experiences teaching at college. Uh, so I'm all in. Uh, where I'm loving Lucky Hank. Yeah, I'm going to stay with it. Uh, and like I say, see, for me, if it's something I like. But I was excited to see it because I like him. By the and way, he the, has a great movie called Nobody. If you yes. haven't seen it, yes. watch it. It's a just a great movie. Also, and I don't even want to talk about what it is because it's twists and turns and all kinds of crazy stuff. Upsetting uh, to TVs? me was Alaska Daily had its last episode. And there's a question as to whether they're going to come back. Yeah. And this was done by Hilary Swank, who is who I great. Think is terrific. She is great in the show. And Alaska Daily had a good plot line. Again, it's about a newspaper, hence the yep. Daily. Get it? Get it? Get it? Yep. <laughs> and I worked for a newspaper. 94% of Google users love the show. And. I want it so bad. I want it to come back, but they still haven't committed to a second season, and I'm yeah, it very hasn't upset caught on as well as you might think. Yeah, she is you a have great to, actress. Could, because and, of the, uh, and I do like the show. I don't with. love it, but I like it. What they deal with. Yeah, and basically, Hillary Swank plays a reporter who used to work in New York. She was involved in some sort of scandal or something, and she ends up in Alaska. For her second chance. And she's doing a bang-up job. What are you watching real quick before we run out of time? Uh, well, there's a couple of streaming movies now. And all the John Wick movies are the top streaming movies right now. Because John Wick 4 uh, has just either just come out or is about to come out. So John Wick, John Wick 2, John Wick 3, you know, the, the other ones. And uh, they're really, they're very violent. But they're really terrific films. So uh, if you haven't seen any of the John Wick series, you can see that. One I have not actually watched, but probably will, is Boston Strangler, which is the story, obviously, on Hulu of the Boston Strangler. And then I watched a horror film called uh, Knock at the Cabin, which is actually pretty entertaining, I have to say. Uh, enjoyed watching that. And it's got um, the former wrestler, uh, MMA fight, wrestler, MMA, I can't think of his uh, Dave Batista who's a very likable guy, and it's a very, very odd story, kind of a horror mystery story. So uh, if you're looking for something to watch, that's very entertaining. Well, on the top ten charts of TV shows that are streaming, uh, there are some great ones. Night Agent, Yellow Jackets, which is something I am not going to be watching. Number three is Ted Lasso. Yeah. Then Succession, which looks interesting. The Last of Us is still at number five. Then Swarm, Lucky Hank. Lucky Hank is number seven, The Mandalorian's number eight, Daisy Jones, and a new one coming in, which I'm very excited about, is Rabbit Hole with Kiefer Sutherland. Yeah, that's supposed to be pretty good. My uh, sister-in-law watched the first two or three episodes and said it's really good. I mean, I've always loved anything with Kiefer Sutherland in it. So, uh, wow. So watch it. Yeah, give it a try. Hey, that's it for us. 
I uh, hope you have a wonderful uh, rest of your week, and we will see you on the air next Sunday. Thank you. Yeah, this is Marsha Collier and Mark Cohen. I'm so glad you stopped by, and hope you stop by again. Tell your friends, and let us know on Twitter. I'm at Marsha Collier and at Real Mark Cohen about what you think about the show and what you'd like to hear. Have a great week. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Computer and Technology Radio with your hosts, Mark Cohen and Marsha Collier. Produced by Brain Food Radio Syndication, global food for thought.